In Trump time, truth, straight, no chaser, the definitive insider's account of the White House of Trump. Peter Navarro's In Trump Time War Room is brought to you by Getter, the Twitter killer. Sign up for Getter today and strike a blow against cancel culture. Getter, the Twitter killer, an ultimate in social media engagement. Now here's Dr. Peter Navarro deep in the D.C. swamp from the In Trump Time War Room. Hi, I'm Peter Navarro, and welcome to episode 21 of the In Trump Time podcast. In this episode, I'm going to deconstruct an interview that I had with Ari Melber of MSNBC. For the record, I consider myself to be, as Steve Bannon has often referenced, the Fresno State football team. I would go anywhere to debate anybody, regardless of their ideology. In fact, when I was in the White House, I was the go-to guy in many cases for CNN and MSNBC. When folks like Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin or Larry Kudlow went on those networks, they would get eaten alive. But I thought it was important to reach out effectively to what is the other side of the aisle and ideological spectrum. So I'm more than happy to touch gloves with the left. As for R.E. Melber, I consider him to be one of the best they have on the left side of the spectrum. And I did an interview with him several weeks ago, which I thought was quite civil and quite illuminating regarding the events surrounding January 6th. Viewers apparently thought so too as the interview went viral and had over a million views. This second interview I will share with you now is more of a different breed of cat. For whatever reason, Ari Melber made it difficult for me to speak. I had to push back strongly, and as a result, the interview turned into what effectively was a loud and raucous debate. In this case, I thought there was more heat than light than the last interview, but I am willing to go on any time that Mr. Melber invites me, and perhaps next time we can have a more in-depth discussion. That said, I got the point across that I wanted to make that day, and that's all to the good. So in this podcast, I want to walk you through the interview in an annotated way to show you how I think about things and how some of these hostile cable news network hosts try to trip you up. So let's start with Ari Melber's opening gambit. He comes off with a wild claim about an executive order at the White House, which the gossip rag Politico has gotten a hold of. Of course, nobody who knows who wrote the order, whether it was legitimate or whether the boss had any role in it, But these questions aside, if you simply read the executive order, it's pretty straightforward. We know from at least one analysis from the state of Michigan that there might have been problems with voting machines. In light of that, it's not unreasonable to want to take a look at those machines. And since the states where those abuses might have taken place were not taking any action to protect the American electorate against the stolen election, it's not unreasonable that the White House, in the interest of national security, might want to take a look. That said, it's all a tempest in a teapot. Ari Melber is trying to stir up, to hype up the segment, and get eyeballs on his prize. I don't really see any problem with that kind of over-the-top marketing, as long as we all understand what the game afoot is. So here's that introduction to the segment in this first clip. 
Big news tonight, stoking grave questions about how Trump advisors wanted to abuse the military to potentially try to overturn the election. Now, this pretty damning evidence actually comes from inside the Trump White House. After Trump lost the election, but was still in office, aides mold a brazen plan that would have attempted to order the military to literally, quote, seize voting machines. Now, why are we learning this right now? Politico reporting the incriminating draft executive order, which was not ever issued, is coming out now because it was in the pile of documents that Trump had tried to block from Congress, but which were just cleared when the Supreme Court dealt Trump a historic eight to one loss, which greenlit hundreds of pages for House investigators. That was one of several legal developments in this busy week as the same House committee plowed ahead with new subpoenas for Trump's campaign lawyers. You see them there. That includes Rudy Giuliani and the man you see on your right, Boris Epstein. And it raises legal questions about their evidence or potential testimony or potential privilege against testimony. There's also a new push to get separately testimony from Ivanka Trump. All of this in that House probe. Then down in Georgia, the DA seeking a major escalation this week looking for a judge to approve a special grand jury in the criminal probe into Trump's alleged election tampering specifically in that state. Now, I just went through all the news from just this week. It's a lot. And that brings us, as I mentioned, to a special exclusive segment that we are doing on The Beat tonight as the House probe of the insurrection puts so much heat on these principles I just mentioned. Well, I can tell you what we're about to do. You literally will not see anywhere else. It's our exclusive for you when we're back after our shortest break in just 60 seconds. Okay, now I'm back. What is Ari Melber up to next? Well, next, Mr. Melber sets up the interview as a three-person blockbuster panel and promises to break some news to get to the bottom of what happened on January 6th. You will see both Boris Epstein and I introduced, along with another gentleman named Dustin Stockton. And here there is another game afoot, as Mr. Melber is clearly setting this far-right militia guy as the red herring and left-wing foil for the whole construction. If you watch the rest of the show, you can do that on your own, by the way, you will see that Stockton is a far-right extremist who will prostrate himself in front of Melber and his audience while criticizing Donald Trump and blaming POTUS for the violence on Capitol Hill. When Boris and I found out that Stockton was going to be part of an interactive interview, we told the MSNBC producers that we wanted to have no part of that. Clearly it was a setup and neither Boris nor I wanted to give credibility to what we viewed simply as a grifter. So the producers agreed before the show that Boris and I would only go one-on-one -on -one with Mr. Melbourne. Okay, now let's take a look at Ari's setup. The House probe into January 6th went into overdrive this week with that win at the Supreme Court and new subpoenas for Trump campaign lawyers. And now on the beat, we turn to a special segment to get at the facts with some of the very witnesses the Congressional Committee is eyeing. The interviews you're about to see, the reporting we're about to share with you, can help us all go deeper inside this investigation. So now we turn to live interviews with some people who have direct involvement in some of the events on or around January 6th. We are joined by Trump campaign lawyer Boris Epstein in the news because he was subpoenaed by the committee just this week, along with those other Trump lawyers. He's a veteran of the White House in both Trump campaigns, including working 
with Rudy Giuliani in that tense post-election period. Tonight, I will also interview White House veteran Peter Navarro, who detailed a plan to overturn the election results that The Washington Post dubbed a plot to, quote, overthrow the government peacefully. And then later, I will speak with Dustin Stockton, an organizer of the January 6th rally, who has cooperated and provided testimony to that same House probe. We will hear from each of these officials and witnesses live tonight, beginning right now with Trump White House veteran Peter Navarro. Peter, welcome to the beat. Uh, I'd like to start with you with three simple yes or no questions and then go into more depth. Okay, I'm back. And let me just say that the next part of the clip features a little bullshit move by Ari Melber with his three questions, trying to play Mr. Prosecutor and lure me into a comparison of my views with that of far-right groups like the Oath Keepers, which, by the way, look like half of their members are FBI informants and provocateurs. But that's another story. Check out Darren Beatty's uh, Revolver News site for that one. At any rate, as you will see, I will have no part of Ari's little trick. I quickly pivot away, as they say in the trade. But I was sad to see Mr. Melber even try that stupid little trick. Not my first rodeo, dude, when that was beneath you. There's also another little trick the producers play in the control room. As I'm trying to make my points, on several occasions, they will simply begin playing video clips and override my microphone. That is not generally accepted practice with an interview, even in hostile territory like MSNBC. Again, not my first rodeo. And by the way, when Mr. Melbourne asked me the first question as to whether the January 6th witch hunt committee had subpoenaed me, that really is the buried lead as they have not subpoenaed me. Those clowns on Capitol Hill want nothing to do with me or my in Trump time book and its account of the Green Bay Packers sweep. That's because my facts in the in Trump time book clearly contradict the January 6th committee's fiction of Donald Trump somehow being involved in the violence on Capitol Hill. So listen in now. And and by the way, there's a perfectly priceless moment when I asked Mr. Melber if he has read my three-volume report on the steal of the election. From his reaction, he clearly has not. Uh, One, has the House probe requested your cooperation? No. Was it wrong for people to storm the Capitol on January 6th? Yes. Was it wrong to try to overturn the election to keep Trump in office? No, not legally. We, uh, everything I did uh, was clearly between the lines. So let's get into the depth. Uh, you say not legally, which means you think what you did and what you advocated, a, a way to try to take it to the House and overturn the results was legal. Uh, Since the last time we spoke, um, there have been developments on the criminal side of this. Uh, As you know, an indictment for the Oath Keepers leader on seditious conspiracy. I just want to read briefly from that. The fact pattern is different. Um, But I would note that the government alleges there that what he was trying to do was, quote... Which government, Ari, just to be clear? The Justice Department, uh, independent federal prosecutors overseen by independent judges. I'll let you respond, but let me just read the... I'll let you respond, but let me read what is alleged in the indictment which was filed, which says, 
basically it was quote, which government are it just to be clear the justice department uh, independent federal prosecutors overseen by independent department. judges i'll let you respond but let me about- just read the i'll let you respond but let me read what is alleged in the indictment which was filed yeah. which says basically that he was opposing by force the lawful transfer of presidential power you said you wanted to oppose that transfer of power, just not by force. Is it fair to say you and this Oath Keeper, you have the same intent, just different methods? <laughs> yeah, Ari, look, you're doing your prosecutor thing. How about you give me a chance to talk now? Is that okay? The question's on the table. Do you share that intent well, with look, him? Well, right, look, right, here, let me, let, me, uh, let me play lawyer for a minute and simply lay the predicate uh, for the discussion tonight. My role in um, what the Washington Post calls the coup that we call the Green Bay sweep was simply to look at the analysis of what happened in the election. I started that uh, on Thanksgiving Day of 2020. I completed three reports, which I'm sure you've read, Ari, and I hope you'll confirm that. But here's what I I find, and I think there's a couple of things we can agree on. First of all, uh, over four years after Trump got elected, Changes in the legislation, judicial rulings, and particularly decisions by secretaries of state, particularly in the battleground states, led to a dramatic increase in absentee and mail-in ballots. At the same time, there was a dramatic decrease in the monitoring of those ballots for illegalities through things like a relaxation of voter ID, for example, and the elimination of signature match. I think we can agree on that. I think we can also agree that Factually, Biden got two to three to one of the absentee ballots in the battleground states. And so when you put those facts and evidence together, it's clear that Biden won because of those changes. I describe that uh, as a grand stuff the ballot box strategy by the Democrats that where mm-hmm. we disagree is either. Yeah. Well, I'm letting you answer, but the, the question is about what you call the Green Bay sweep. What you call the Green Bay sweep is trying to take. It's trying to take the results and have the House override them. Uh, you gave your response, which is your view of what you think happened with the ballots. You've also said, well, and I think, let, me, let me finish. Do, well, let me finish. Yeah, but there let me, are, sir, do we I'm going to let you go again. You went and then I went. We did this before. The other issue here is that you have tried to use this so-called legal process, Peter. You've tried to use it to argue that because you think it would go to the House, that that helps Donald Trump not be responsible for what happened. I want to play you a little bit of how me, Donald Trump you sounded. You asked me for a simple an- yeah, answer to your I did. We, got, we heard you your answer. Answer and my could, question. Well, no, you, because you, you agree with Peter, me that there was a dramatic Peter, if you become increase. a journalist, then you can have a show and you can ask people questions. You agreed well, to come in and do the interview. Here's what Donald I'm, Trump I'm was saying. To, I'm here to yes, do sir. the interview. Here's what Donald Trump was saying on January 6th. Take a listen. I'm simply, yeah, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. I'll be there with you. You'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength. That's what he said. And as you can see on the screen, the Secret Service advised him they couldn't keep him safe, which is why he didn't go to the Capitol. Does Donald Trump not bear some responsibility for telling the people to storm the Capitol, for planning to go, which you say is what intervened in your so-called sweep? I was with the boss for five years and went to numerous rallies. I never saw any violence at those rallies except for the occasional protester on the other side doing violent acts in those rallies. Uh, The mindset of the president was 
rallies are peaceful in Trump land. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that needs to be looked at as to how that violence got instigated and started. People like Ray Epps, for example, have come up in the news. But but I get back to this, Ari. It's like, where we where do we disagree? This segment of the In Trump Time podcast is brought to you by Steve Bannon's War Room. Join Bannon's War Room posse and get tomorrow's news today. All signal, no noise. Bannon's War Room. Okay, let's finish up the interview now. What I am able to do to close the interview, despite all the interruptions, is carefully lay out the whole concept of the Green Bay sweep, make the case that Vice President Pence failed in his duty, that all we were looking for was to get to the bottom of possible election fraud and irregularities, and, as I will keep saying over and over, the last three people on God's good earth who wanted violence on Capitol Hill to erupt on January 6th were Donald Trump, Steve Bannon, and myself. Our whole Green Bay Sweep strategy to reveal fraud and election irregularities hinged on peace and calm, not chaos and violence. Case closed. Okay, so here we now. It's the big finish of the interview. I hope you have enjoyed this insider's look at how TV sausage is sometimes made. Where do we disagree? I mean, the, there's a concern here among the American people that the polls clearly show uh, that, that about half the American people think that there was a problem with that election. I'm saying to you and I'm asking you, do you agree that there was a dramatic increase in absentee and mail-in ballots that helped Biden win? At the same time, there was a dramatic decrease in looking and monitoring those ballots for illegalities and possibly a lot of illegal ballots slipped through. Therein lies the tale for me. And I think the mindset of people in the Trump White House and the Trump campaign at the time going into January 6th was there were egregious fraud and election irregularities committed, and we wanted to get to the bottom of that. That's what the Green Bay sweep was all about. All Mike Pence was supposed to do on Capitol Hill that yep. day was send the results back well, Peter, to six battleground states yep. for 10 days. And we've spoken about the Pence piece. I'm going to jump back in, Peter, because chaos I do, I do give you time, but it is a back and that. forth, Peter. Yeah. You just referenced the fact that you worked closely with Donald Trump, which is part of why you're here, and you didn't see the violence. But there was extensive violence on January 6th. That's why I quoted a sedition conspiracy indictment. That's why we have so much violence on tape. And I want to say it's a chance for you tonight to make sure that you're on record against that violence. You have tried to argue that somehow that interfered. You asked me the question. I asked and answered. Let's with not the plan. Do this again. Right. Well, here's your boss. I'm going to play no this for your response. Here's violence. Donald Trump that day, and, and, and here's how he played down the violence. Take a look. Take a Look. We're going to have to fight much harder. Right from the start, it was zero threat. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. The love in the air. I've never seen anything like it. You'll never take back our country with weakness. They were peaceful people. These were great people. He falsely says they were peaceful. Final question. Do you acknowledge they were not? They were, look, I ran the mall that day. It's all in my In Trump Time book. I saw nothing but peaceful people walking along up to that Capitol. I did not personally observe storming the gates there, but I did. But you've seen it on tape. You know what happened. You know Donald Trump lied about it. Who tore down I just those played barriers. him lying about it. Where were the Capitol Hill priests? Where was the Pentagon and the National Guard? The Capitol Why Police were, were being beaten and attacked by Trump this fans. I think you know that. That would be allowed 
allowed to happen. When Nancy Pelosi was told there could be problems, the Pentagon was told yeah. there could be problems. As you know, we only wanted peace that day. That's my bottom line, Ari. The Green Bay sweep was yep. designed to have a peaceful look at how many you legal ballots. And you got some time. And you know there are other guests waiting. And, Peter, I appreciate sure. you coming back on the beat. Oh, People can hear it and make up their own yep. mind. Thank you. We turn as promised. Buy in Trump time today on Amazon and find out what really happened on November 3rd, January 6th, and in a Wuhan bioweapons lab. In Trump.